Hello, everybody. Dr. Rick Wallace dropping in on you. I hope everybody is doing well. Uh, I am uh, up and going. So many things going on, uh, preparing to take uh, all the work that I'm doing to the next level on so many different things that I do. Uh, That's the challenge. That was the goal coming into this year. And despite a number of disruptions and changes and shifts i have continued to push and i'm continue uh and i'm extremely excited about what's going on i'm here to talk to you about something that's kind of uh jumping right now and i want to address it from a number of different angles uh everybody who really and truly has a sense or a knowledge of what's going on and understands how things work will weigh in on it if they haven't already and i want to talk about it from my area of knowledge and expertise um, that I've developed over the last 30 years. Uh, I'm going to address some things that he said that were inaccurate, but I'm also talk about the approach and how it looks. And uh, just to get an idea uh, and and present a truth that's extremely important because we tend to live our lives vicariously uh, through celebrities. And when celebrities take on stances, they take on stances from places that the vast majority of uh, the black population do not reside in. And so we have to be very careful that we don't take on these ideas and ideologies without having the the wherewithal and the resources uh, to carry them out. And that we haven't truly thought things through and calculated the possibilities. But before I do that, I want to tell you something about something I'm extremely excited about, and I want you to be a part of. Uh, You know, I mentioned uh, over the last few videos that we uh, released book number 24 last month, uh, book number 24, um, which is the uh, academic Holocaust, um, which deals with uh, the miseducation of black youth, which is the follow-up to the book, Miseducation of Black Youth, which is my 16th book. So this is eight books later, we follow up. But anyway, we got that out of the way. Book number 25 is on deck. And book number 25, I want to be uh, the coup de grace, so to speak. I want it to be uh, everything that I can possibly make it because it's that important. Uh, It's building black generational wealth, but it's more than just talking about numbers. It's talking about all the things we've had to face. It's talking about everything from um, reconstruction after slave, because because people tend to say slavery ended 150 some years ago. What's the problem? So what we have to do is we have to look at it and be honest and force the world to see it, not because we expect them to help, but in the process of forcing, we see the solution. Okay, we're talking about 12 years of reconstruction. We're talking about the black codes. And I'm going to talk about all of this in the book. We're talking about uh, after the black codes, we're talking about redlining. We're talking about 
uh, Jim Crow segregation. We're talking about urban renewal, benign neglect, all these different things that played a role in inhibiting blacks from developing wealth. Even when we were following the blueprints that whites were following, we weren't getting the same results. A lot of those mechanisms in place now, they want to convince you that, okay, yeah, we did that back then, but we straightened it out. No, that's still there. And I uncovered in the research that I've done, I've uncovered a, a, a number of different mechanisms that are currently at play. But I present and I hold to my position that despite all that, we can still build. We can still grow as families and as communities. And I lay out the blueprint. I put it together. We talk about all of the nefarious stuff moving up. What's going on? How it's going on? How they're doing it? How they've done it in the past? How it looks now? What's new? And then we talk about what's going on. This book I think is going to be something, you know, you've got people who are doing their thing and then, and I don't want to step on anybody's shoe and get in anybody's lanes. There are experts in finance that are talking specific, specifically finance. My area of expertise isn't simply talking about finance. My area of expertise is the totality of psychology of success. The, the, that's my area, the psychology of success. How do we think? How do we look? How do we see ourselves? How do we see them? How do we move? Yes, there has to be the mechanisms of wealth building, the strategies put in place. I'm going to talk about strategies that I've used in the past. I'm going to talk about strategies that are out there. I'm going to talk about some of the other things that some of the experts that are part of our camp are talking about. And I'm putting it here. This is where I'm asking you guys to participate. I'm looking for sponsors. I'm looking for sponsors. I'm going to put the link in there. I'm looking for sponsors to sponsor this book project because, number one, I want to put it out uh, before the end of the year. And I want it to be the best work I can possibly give it, which means it's going to require a lot of my time. Now, a sponsorship is what I'm asking for. In other words, I'm not asking for donations. I'm asking for sponsorships, and I'm going to give you something in return. First of all, every person who sponsors this book project will be mentioned in the book, and they can dedicate their sponsorship in memory of somebody, whether they are alive or if they uh, transition on, they can do that. That will be gold. Uh, that will be uh, platinum, gold, silver, and bronze. The bronze will be anything under $25. $25 to $50 will be silver. $50 to $75 will be gold. 75 to 100 and above will be platinum. Everybody, regardless of what category you fall in, will have your name in the book. If it's a dollar, 50 cent contribution, if it's a 50 cent contribution, your name will be in the book. You will be able to dedicate your sponsorship to somebody you care about, love, want to remember in the memory of. And anybody who donates $25 or more will actually receive a copy of the book when we release it. So let me explain that to you again. Everybody who sponsors this project, and I'm asking for sponsorships because I want to make it happen. I've never asked for sponsorships on any of my book projects because, well, I take that back. I briefly asked for sponsorships on the first one because I was entering a new market. I was creating uh, Odyssey Media uh, as a publishing company, and there were a lot of things I was trying to figure out. Didn't work out too well, but I asked I think I got 50 bucks, but I haven't asked since I've done everything on my own dime. I've, so because I run my own publishing company, there's no 
project bonus, no signing bonus, none of that stuff that kind of gives me the time to write. So I have to literally create the time to write this while I'm still running my businesses and doing everything else. As you can imagine, that can be time consuming, tedious, and it stretches me beyond measure. Uh, so what I'm asking for is sponsorships, and this is what I'm giving. Uh, everybody's going to be, whether you give a dollar or a thousand, you're going to be in the book and you get to dedicate your sponsorship to, because I don't want to make anybody feel small. Nobody's donations will actually be listed just what category you're in. And so you're going to have the, again, bronze, uh, silver, gold, platinum. Everything beneath 25 is a bronze. Everything from 25 to 50 is a silver. Everything from 50 to 75 is a gold. Everything from 75 and above is platinum. And you, those who give anything from 25 above will get the copy of the book as well. Um, you know, you can use it as a memorial or whatever because your name will forever be in that book. Uh, and so I've shared the link. I'm going to share it again real quickly. Uh, and I'll be talking to you about this because this is an ongoing thing. I've finally completed the research and I'm starting the writing and putting all together. It has been unbelievable, um, the journey that it has been. And this is what I do. I research. I, I want to be in a position to help my people win. And so, you know, the books are more about putting the content out and the solutions out than it is because none of, none of my books have done enough to make me to pay my bills. So it's not about the book sales. It's about the book out there, you know, probably after I'm gone and everybody, you know, does whatever, maybe, uh, the books are sell then. I don't know, but I mean, I'm not like saying they're not selling, they sell, but that's not my source of income. Primary source of income of how I support my family, but it's strict, extre still extremely important for that content to be out there for the people who want it. Cause all it takes is one person, the right person to find it and lives will change. And that's my goal is to get it out there and just, just change the life of one person. And I, I'm, it's worth it to me, but that's what I'm asking you to do to become a sponsor. Got that out of the way. You're going to be hearing a lot about it over the next month or so as we move towards uh, getting the book released. And I'll be doing this all the way up until probably a month before the release. And so uh, be a part of that. Join in. Uh, if you don't get it on the chat, I shared it on the chat. It's going to be in the description box of the video. So check it out. Now, on to Nick Cannon. Uh, there are so many different elements to address here. Uh, I don't want to get ahead of myself. Uh, I'm going to address the easy thing first. Nick Cannon, as you know, has, I think, seven children by, I think, four different women. And there are a lot of people, you know, calling them out on it. It's non-conventional. It's non-traditional. And on the surface, it appears to be uh, irresponsible. And his response to it was marriage is a Eurocentric concept and that uh, monogamy is archaic. That I think the way that he put it was the dopamine rush that you get during sex diminishes over time when it's with the same person. And there's so many components and elements missed there, but that's his way of thinking. It's all about the dopamine rush and the high he gets from procreating and all of that. And he's, you know, sowing his seeds, being fruitful, multiplying all that stuff. And so let's let's look at it, unpack it. 
First and foremost, marriage is not a Eurocentric concept. Maybe the ways we look at it because we apply so much religion to it and that in the Western cult, in, in, in the Western society, uh, marriage is heavily associated with Christianity. We get the idea that it's Eurocentric in nature. Actually, uh, we can go all the way back probably to 2,500 and beyond and find documented evidence of marriage, one-on-one, -on -one, man man-on-man marriage, not just polygamy, man-on-man, one-on-one marriage as far back as 2,500, something like that. And this is in Mesopotamia. Mesopotamia, for those who don't know, it would be modern day Middle East, Iraq, Iran, Turkey, uh, Afghanistan, you know, all that. So definitely not Europe. And you got to understand with the Middle East being so closely uh, related uh, to Africa and there have been a constant crossing of the, the water space there, that it's more likely that there were other marriages in that. We also know uh, that in the Nile civilization, people were joined together in marriage, not in traditional marriage as we see it now, but marriages were respected. So we can take that back maybe 5,000 years. So the idea that marriage in and of itself is a Eurocentric idea is not legitimate. It's not valid. Now, the way that we've created marriage, the way we've made marriage, uh, a lot of that has a lot of West, I mean, uh, European and Westernized influences in it. And most of us don't understand it. The truth of the matter is most of us romanticize marriage, first and foremost. It's about the ooh-ah of marriage. And, and that's the thing where he's getting. He's in the ooh-ah phases. He's in the, the, the I, I, how I want the goo-goo ooh-ooh feeling. And forget he's forgetting and losing the idea of the responsibility that grows out of the connectivity of bonding. And I wrote about this in book number 23, Merging Souls. And where we talk about the connect, the spiritual connectivity and bonding that takes place when masculine energy and feminine energy come together to create a synergistic force that allows two people to do things exceptionally and extraordinarily beyond what either individual could have done on their own. No matter how exceptional you are as an individual, you can be more powerful united as a couple when you have the same mindset, when you're talking about building together, when you're talking about merging your energy and becoming a force. It's simply the way the universe works. Okay, so that's a part that he's talking about, the, the whole romanticized idea of marriage is I'm going to fall in love and I'm going to ooh-ah and we're just going to be so romantic and going to get wine and dine. I'm going to do some wine and dine. I'm gonna and we lose the fact that there are responsibilities and natural things that should be taking place. And as soon as the honeymoon is over and the romance seems to be dying, which is kind of what he's talking about, I guess that's what happened with him and, and Mariah. And I, I don't want to speculate, but I'm guessing and I'm not going to establish and say that's what happens. That will be speculated. I'm just saying it's probably or it could be uh, a part of it because that was the marriage. He was married to her and then it kind of went out and there were all kinds of speculations about why. But the oldest two children are by, I think, Mariah Carey, if I'm correct. And they were twins. OK, so that's that's that part of it. So if you're looking for that ooh, I feeling all the time, there are ways to create that. Uh, 
There are ways to create that Uwah feeling and keep the fire burning. But marriage, you got to understand, romance didn't enter into marriage until it became a European force in roughly the 13th century is when you start talking about romance, falling in love. Before that, marriage was simply a manner and a mechanism of executing, carrying out filial responsibilities and filial uh, and family values and, and principles. And so a, a family with like values has uh, with another family has a son and they have a daughter and their daughter and son will get married because the families have values that are akin and they're going to come together and they're going to build together and they're going to execute the value and the projection out of these families' values into generations by taking the value system with them is so much more than just the feeling. Marriage is not just about how you make me feel. Uh, it, it's uh, it's about, and the thing is, it's easy to say if you can afford them babies, so be it. I'm going to get to that too. I'm going to get to that too. Because we're talking about, and that's just like I said, the, the book that I just mentioned is about building uh, generational wealth. Well, there's a responsibility, there's some responsibilities in building, building generational wealth. And what may appear to be an excess can easily not be an excess. I know personally, but I'm going to talk about it and I'm going to lay it out for you in a minute. But here we go. So here's the thing. So dealing with just his presentation of the idea that marriage is a Eurocentric idea or concept isn't supported by history. History says before we even think about Euro, Euro, uh, Europeans coming out of the dark ages and, and creating any type of civilization, marriage already existed. So we know that. We know it existed in Mesopotamia and more than likely in the Nile civilization. And we can actually see documented evidence of it. It's not a, a, a perceived notion. It's, it's a fact. Okay, so that's out of the way. Now, monogamy is archaic. Uh, to me, monogamy is up to the individual. To me, it's not archaic because of the way I'm built. Now, if I were built and brought up in another culture where polygamy was the way, then my mindset would probably be fixed different. But I grew up in a house where uh, the two people that uh, reared me were married 43 years before one passed away. Uh, if they were still married, now they'd be married 70 something years. Uh, and so that's where I got my idea of connectivity. But now that who I am, I can tell you that even if the opportunity presented itself, I wouldn't move into the realm of polygamy because I like the idea of giving myself to one thing wholeheartedly. I like the idea of having this one thing that I'm responsible for. And this one person I could connect to that wants to connect to me in the same way and building some things together without having to put and come to a democratic understanding with multiple minds about heading in one direction. That's me. So the idea that it's it's archaic is all dependent upon the person. But the idea of marriage, that's that's been there. That's not something new. That's not Eurocentric. It's not that that has been there for a while. And it has way more purpose than romance and sex. And so you have to understand the whole dynamic. That's why so many marriages fail is faulty expectations. You have to understand what you're going into the marriage to do outside of sleep with somebody and make babies. There's so much more to it and there's so much force to it. And the marriage is simply the covenantal contract 
that says outside of feelings, I'm committing to something. Let me explain, explain that to you. When you go into marriage and you don't see the covenantal uh, influences of marriage, meaning that, that it's contractual, then you tend to move on your feelings. Most people, most people are in and out of marriages based on feelings. Oh my God, she makes me feel this way. Oh my God, he makes me feel that way. And what happens is when the feelings are gone, it's easy to sit up and say, man, I don't feel it anymore. And now they've made it real easy for the last, what, almost 50 years with irreconcilable differences. All I have to do is say we're having irreconcilable differences. I don't have to produce any other evidence that the marriage should be dissolved outside. We just ain't on the same page any longer. Well, there's nothing to make you work on getting on the same page because it's so easy to walk away from. No covenantal, true contractual idea. The contractual part of it says, look, I'm in this thing not based on feelings. I'm in this thing because I see a person that I can connect with that has a like mind that wants to build the same thing I want to build, go in the same direction I want to go in, raise another generation to do the same. And what you have to understand is it's an organized business process through which you get to connect physically and you get to share emotionally. But the responsibilities run so much deeper than that. And if you don't understand the covenant, if you don't understand the contract, you will have situations where you're ready. I'm telling you, I tell, I tell people all the time, I act in my marriage based on my contract, not my emotions. And people are like, what do you mean? There are times I'm not feeling my wife. I, there's never a time I'm not loving her or disliking or hating her. But that time she, I'm looking at it, I'm going, here she comes, here she comes. It's just that thing. Two people are never going to be on the same page 100% of the time. A man and a woman think differently, move differently, feel differently. So there are going to be times where it's just not jiving. I don't act based on that. I act based on the fact that I made a contract that I was going to do X, Y, Z. My wife will tell you, actually, the times that I'm upset with her is the time she gets treated the best. If I take out your stuff to the car every time you leave, when I'm mad at you, I'm going to take that out and I'm going to hug you. I'm going to give you a kiss. No matter what, I'm sleeping in the bed. We're not going to be separated. We're not going to act out our anger. We're going to work through it. I am going to be the leader because I promised I would. So when everybody else is acting up, I got to have my head. I don't get to throw tantrums because everything else. I've got to be the one to be calm and say, okay, it's getting kind of crazy around here. I don't get to walk with my ego on my sleeve because my ego can be bruised when somebody says something or does something. Not just the wife, but it's other people in the house. So I treat my wife based on the covenant. And she treats me based on the covenant because I can get on her nerves at times. But I'm never disrespect. I mean, never disrespected. I'm never mishandled. And it's because, and the, here's the thing, the more you honor the contract or the covenant, the more bonded you become, the more trust you develop, the more you move into it, and the less offended you are when somebody's not on their A game. But you got to build that. You got to build that. You get mad and all of a sudden you can't act on your feelings because your feelings will have you moving up and down all around all the time. You got to act on a commitment. You got to be willing to sit up and say, you know what? This is where we're at right now. We'll get through it. I am committed. 
it's the distance you're willing to go. It's that simple. Anything in life, not just marriage, anything that you're saying you want to accomplish, you're going to have to be willing to go the distance. You're going to have to be willing to push through difficult moments. You're going to have to be willing to break. So that's that part of it. Now, here's the other thing. A lot of people are sitting up and saying, well, as long as he's got the money, I don't see anything wrong with it. Here's the problem with that. Parenting is not just about money. Now, what I do understand is that he's building a compound and he's going to have the whole, all of them on the same property, probably not in the same building. Each one is going to have their own house. He's building a compound. Okay. So that means he's going to be in close proximity to all these children. Now I'm assuming to a certain extent, because I doubt very seriously, Mariah Carey is going to be living on that compound. So you're going to have at least two kids that are not going to be there on a regular basis. Okay. So now let's get into the parenting part of it. Yes, a man is supposed to be a provider, but before he's a provider, he's a protector. He's also going to be the primary source of his children's identity, especially the boys, but also the girls. The girls are going to get their first taste of what it's like to be loved by a man, to to, to, to be told they're beautiful and outside. Because mom says it, that's not the same. Trust me. When mom says you're beautiful for a little girl, it's not the same as when dad says it. That There's something. And I mean, long before they can understand any of the energy they're getting, they feel it. And they respond to it. So there's all these other things. But when you talk about being a father, presence is important. So he seems like he's handling that. So you got presence and you've got to parent. You got to be present. You got to teach. You got to love. You got to guide. You got to do all those things outside of being financially able and financially capable to put in. Now, here's the thing. Nick making money. You know, the Wild and Out brand in which I think he's back in now with Viacom and they work that thing out and he's back there. He's making money and he's he's growing his assets and his net wealth, net worth is growing from what I understand, from what I was able to jump out and look at real quickly. I don't know the inner workings. I don't know about any unknowns. I just know about what I was able to see real quickly. Here's the thing, though. There's a difference between building wealth from an income source and having an independent wealth source, meaning that you've taken your money and you've invested in things that allow you to sit up and do things. And what makes me wonder where that is, is if Nick was truly completely, this is not taking jabs at the brother. I like the brother and all of us have issues. So this isn't me taking a jab and I want to be careful because when I take a jab at somebody, I'm gonna let you know I'm jabbing at them. I'm not jabbing, but I'm talking about some things. When Nick first stepped out and said what he said that got him in that trouble with the Jewish community. He first doubled down and then immediately started to apologize multiple times uh, because he ended up losing what he created because he didn't have brand control. He didn't have ownership of his likeness or the name of the uh, of Wild and Out. All that's owned by Viacom. I believe it's Viacom. So what that tells me is that he had some sentimental connection to it, but also that was his livelihood. That's where the vast majority of his money is coming from. When you're independently wealthy, you can double down and leverage your independent wealth to make your presence felt. So what that tells me is if I've got seven kids and they're living at the level of my lifestyle because they're all around me, I'm taking the what is the average $250,000 over the course of 18 years to raise a child. And I'm probably, man, going what, 
a million, two million, maybe even three million per kid. So seven times that, well, you know, some of these kids are already, you know, a little bit older. So kind of go maybe what, five times that you still looking at 20 something, 30 something, just raising the kid. That's if no disruptions come or whatever. But what that puts him at is in a situation where you definitely cannot have any disruptions with your brand and with your uh with, 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 with the media company, Viacom, and Wildin' Out still has to be hot five, 10 years from now, or you will have to have created something else. Independent Wealth says, I'm invested in this, I'm invested in this, I'm invested in this, I'm invested in this. I've got all these different things going on. So if one doesn't work, I've got these working. That's the goal to get to. And he's in a better position than most of us. But it doesn't necessarily mean just because he's got millions that he's set. I can tell you it looks good, but it can go fast when you're spending at a rate beyond what the average person is spending. To the average person to say a person is worth $40 million is like, oh, they set, but they're not spending and living like you. Your annual expenditures is nowhere close to what their annual expenditures are. And if they're not managing it, if they're not planning, and if they're not building, they can end up in a place. My thing is, I hope that he's got all that figured out. I hope that he's in a, because he, he's in a good position. And this isn't me judging this, but, you know, I want to, first of all, correct the notion that marriage is a white thing because it's not existed long before Europe came out of the dark ages. OK, we got that straight. Also, marriage is more than just the feeling you get when you sleep with somebody initially, because that dopamine rush is what he kept talking about. Well, at a certain point. As a man, you've got to want more than the dopamine rush. As a man, you got to want more than just to be procreating. As a man, you want to sit up and say, am I optimizing my potential to build? Am I optimizing my potential to grow something? Am I putting myself in the best possible position to create something for my kids? Or am I creating an idea for my kids that's going to take them down a rabbit hole that they may not be able to navigate even as well as I've navigated? And that's the thing, because you're creating a value system. That's what families do. The fact the marriage is an institution, and out of that institution grows the 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 propulsion, what I call the propulsive institution. That's the family. The family is where you uh, exchange values with your kids. Well, not exchange, you inculcate values into the psyche of your children. You start at very early ages. You inculcate ideas about wealth, ideas about family, ideas about race. This is where the socialization process begins inside the family. That's why when you have a solid family and a balanced family where there's masculine energy and feminine energy in the home, you can literally sit up and create the balance necessary to holistically educate and prepare and empower the child to come into their adulthood, not only being able to compete in a world that's hostile towards them, but when. But that comes from properly, properly socializing them with family values. Everybody's family has a certain set of values. You perpetuate those values by creating a family through which those values can be inculcated into the psyche of your progeny. So it's so much more than sex. And I talk about this emerging souls. 
It's so much more than sex. It's about a responsibility. Marriage is simply the way to execute and carry out something greater. The whole idea in this world is to leave a legacy, right? Well, you leave your legacy in a number of different ways. You leave a legacy through an inheritance financially. You leave a legacy through an inheritance by the manner in which you impress upon your children a sense of identity and purpose. You leave a legacy by what you have taught, what you have done, what you have touched, what you have held, what you have healed, and what you hold. What you have to be able to understand is boys have to grow up. I want my daughter in the hands of a man when she walks out of my house. Not a boy that's still sowing oats and not sure of where he's headed because that's disruptive to her. And the thing is, now what happens with all that, I don't know. Uh, I'm not against polygamy. It's not my thing. I'm a monogamous person uh, to the core. And it's just the way I am. Nobody has to tell me to do it. Nobody has to set me up to do it. Nobody has to give me any incentives to do it. I'm just like that. I'm just, you know, I'm just like that. Now, there were times when I wasn't with someone, I was a damn fool. You know, I mean, between that, you know, I mean, it wasn't until my divorce in 2000 that I actually slowed down because it was like one monogamous relationship. I was serial monogamous because I wanted to be married, but I wasn't taking time to learn who I was and what I needed and what I wanted in a woman. So it was just attraction drawing me. So I understand this, but I had to learn it a lot quicker than he's learned. I think Nick's close to 40 if he's not 40 yet. Okay, so I'm sitting here and I'm getting that. Then, but every time I break up with in a in a monogamous relationship, until the next monogamous relationship came along, I was a damn fool. And a lot of that it took years to heal. So when I finally sit down after 2000 and said I need to really determine what type of woman I want. And when I determined what type of woman I want, I determined I needed to be a better man in order to have that woman. So I started to work on me. So that after that time, it's not about jumping in and out of relationships anymore. It's about spending some time with me. It's about growing. It's about getting some other men who are older than me to, to, to challenge me, to grow me, uh, to, to, to show me a lot of things about manhood that I still need to learn. So that when this woman that I said I have to have comes along, I'm ready. I'm ready to, to go hard all in and be committed. There's so much more to this than just betting a woman and getting that dopamine rush. And, and like I said, if you really want to talk about it, there are ways to keep that dopamine rush going. The beautiful thing about the mind is there are no limitations to it. You can take your places to places of ecstasy that you've never imagined before, and you can do it differently every night with the same person. Let me say that again. If you are having issues where you are constantly running into things where you can't get the same dopamine rush or pleasure, uh, uh, the pleasure center of the brain is not being totally tantalated 
then it's because you're not accessing your mind and you're not using your creativity and you're not taking your imagine and creating new realities and new possibilities and all these other things and viewing. I can view my wife differently every day. I find something different about her. I love every day. I find something that turns me on about my wife every day. It's so much beyond the physical side of things that I could do this forever, you know? And so if there's ever going to be a problem, and see, I'm not one of them people that's in fantasy land saying nothing can ever go wrong. It's things can go wrong anytime and I'll deal with it when it comes. I'm not a folder. So whatever happens to me life, I'm ready for it. But what I can tell you is, it won't be because it won't be because of lack of effort. It won't be because of lack of commitment. It won't be because I haven't put my all in it. So if it does happen, I won't have any work. I won't have any regrets. I'm coming 100 every day. So I'm not going to sit up and do that. And right now I know she's coming 100 every day. So whatever happens in the future happens in the future. But for now, you live as if it's all in. Not planning for failure, planning for prosperity planning to build. And the more you build, the more invested in it you are, the less you are to walk away from it. You're talking about bonding in multiple ways. Not to mention every time you bed somebody differently, you're creating soul ties and everybody don't have the best spirit. Man, you know, it took me a while to break some of them soul ties, man. I mean, just darkness. And you're like, where in the hell is that coming from? You can't bed everybody. Look, there's a lot that can be said about this, but at the end of the day, um, we have to be having, we have to have a building mindset. And again, I haven't talked to Nick. I don't know what Nick's total, uh, total idea and concept and philosophy is and what's going to happen once he builds this compound and how these women are going to respond to that compound. I just know what I heard him say. Lovely. Breaking the soul tie is a spiritual process of healing from within. It's literally purging yourself of memories, purging yourself of the energy, releasing the energy. In the same way you release any other negative energy, you got to break that tie. You got to do it. It's a process. And depending on how connected it was and how intertwined it was, it can be hard. Um, it's a process. And then when you got so many, you know, I went through a huge cathartic process where I literally purged myself from, from it all. I wanted to purge myself from it all. So I literally cleaned inside. Spiritually, I purged. And it took probably about two years of just constantly staying away. I literally stayed away from women for actually longer than that. But I purged because I didn't want to take that negative energy to the woman I was going to spend the rest of my life with. And I had to get out of the mindset that in order to be whole, I needed to be in bed with a woman. I had to deal with my issues. And the beautiful thing about that is as you deal with your issues, you start to get rid of some of that stuff. You, absolutely, Ronald. Uh, teach on that. Teach on that. Um, 
Ronald says, purifying the soul and the spirit. Absolutely exactly what I'm talking about. But what I had to do is I had to realize that that was something inside of me that I need to work on because I wasn't I, I didn't feel like I was whole if I didn't have a woman next to me. So, I mean, it didn't matter if I was uh, it, it didn't matter if uh, I actually was in love with her. I just needed female company. And there's an entire culture that was telling me I'm the man because every time I showed up at the club, I had women with me. And so every time I showed up at the event, I had women. And so everybody's saying you're the man. But the truth of the matter is I'm suffering on the inside because there are some issues that I haven't dealt with back to childhood that I had to work on. And so I had to start taking some of my own advice. I started taking inventory and realizing that I've done damage to my soul and my spirit is weighted down. I'm carrying baggage that I can't I, I can't I can't burden on my own. And, a, and, and none of it needs to be with me because it's not mine to carry. I'm carrying the darkness of other people who were dealing with their own demons when they got with me. Now, we didn't exchange demons. You got to spend some time with if you can't spend time with yourself, something's not right. I'm not saying spending ever forever with yourself, but I'm saying it takes some time to purge. You can't purge if you're poor. Study bringing something in. You got to purify. Purify means, hey, it's got to be filtered out. It's got to be filtered out. It's a process. So one of the things that Western culture has us doing is just going all in with the soul tie thing. You know, hey, man, uh, you know, it, it, it ain't nothing wrong with this. Ain't nothing wrong with that. But you don't know what you're picking up every time you go in that bedroom. You walking out with something you didn't come in with and you've left something that you did come in with. You wonder why you're fragmented spiritually. You've left the piece of yourself in so many different places and you've never taken time to reclaim it. Simultaneously, you brought things with you that have not served you well that you will not release. And I know I saw, I'm like, we way off right now, but the question was asked, how do you shake those soul ties? And I, it's in the book, but I wanted to share that because the question was asked here. So this whole idea that it's just about money as long as you got the money, you can just go around dropping your seat wherever you want to. You're doing a disservice to yourself. You're doing a disservice to those women. You're doing a disservice to the children, especially. If you cannot parent outside of your money, you're doing a disservice to the child. You may be serving some notion in your own ego that you need to feel, but that child is going to need you wholeheartedly, wholeheartedly. And I'm telling you <laughs> that it takes a lot to give to children. I've had a few. I was a single parent with my older children. It takes a lot. Marion and I have a pretty large blended family. It takes a lot because you don't stop parenting when these rascals become 18 and 21. Matter of fact, I'll tell you something that's been my observation. I got way more stress with my adult children than I do with my kids that are still at home. Well, actually, I got a couple of adults that's back at the house. But the minors, the minors is don't go do this. You can't go do that. Sit down somewhere. 
I'm, you know, I'm being facetious, but basically, the adults they out there, and then they'll do something like this. Hey pops, hey pops. You know, I'm like, okay, what? Hey, this just happened. That just happened. What do you think I need to do? Hey, do X, Y, Z, blah, blah, blah. So you think that's the way to go? And 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 blah, blah, blah. I was thinking, nah, 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 whatever. You was thinking, look, let's just focus on this. And so you, you, I need to do that. Yeah. Go back a week later. Hey, pops, when you talk, what? You know, guess what happened? What happened? I already know what happened. You totally ignored what I told you to do. Went and did what you was going to do in the first place. And now you want me to tell you the same damn thing I just told you two weeks ago. I got one. I'm still telling them the same thing seven years later. Daddy, daddy. But, but all you can do is be there for them. You know, all you can just say, come on, come on. But the bottom line is what I'm trying to get you to understand is you got to have beyond financial capacity, because I believe a man, me personally, a man or a woman, but me personally, a man with will or drive can come up with the money to have as many kids as he wants to. If he's got the will and drive, if he's that driven, the resources are there. you can make something happen. But that's not where that, that's not even the, the big thing is, do you have the heart capacity? Do you have the, the 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 emotional capacity to to have a, a a large amount of children running around needing you to be dad or father? Same thing with moms. Yeah, it's all good to have these babies, especially if you're in a good place financially. You with the dad, y'all married, whatever, or you just have this unbelievably wonderful gig that's paying you and you can afford to give them all that you never had as a child growing up. That's all great. But I guarantee you, it's there are going to be plugs and things missing. If dad isn't fully engaged and you aren't fully engaged, it's about how much of a capacity you got to go beyond the dollar that's going to determine how well these kids turn out. Yes, you need to feed them. You need to clothe them. You need to put a roof over their head. But you need to teach them. You need to love them. You need to be in their space. They need to feel your energy. You need to bond with them. You need to take them places, spend time with them one-on-one each, and then together. It can't always be a group event. Each kid needs to have a special connection with you that's uniquely built outside of the confines of their siblings. You know how hard that is to do? But yet it's our responsibility. So the idea that all it takes is money is foolish and it's going to lead to a lot of frustrations, a lot of stresses, and a lot of kids striking back because they feel let down. Kids are going to strike out when they feel belittled, when they feel neglected, and, 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 and it's going to show up in different ways. And as a parent of a bunch of adults, you got to be able to put your ego aside because sometimes they're going to come to you and you're going to say, how are you blaming me for that? But I can't parent you if I'm in my feelings because I feel like you crazy because you coming at me for something you did and that you're an adult. Now it's time for you to take responsibility, but I can't parent you that way. The only way I can parent you that way is say, hey, go deal with it. I, I'm done. And that's not how I'm going to parent you. Now, you can't disrespect me ever. 
and be in my space. That's never going to be the case. But as long as you coming at me and respect, we're going to get through it. It's going to be tough. But the truth of the matter, if you're honest with yourself, that was some some brain fart moments in your life, especially when you was young. Some of the stuff we did when we were in our 20s, I look back now and go like, man, I'm still here. It's just dumb. But you grow, you mature, and you become the force. And as a man, you become the force in the lives of many people. But it starts with those in your home and those who grew out of your home. That's my thing. That's what I have to drop on you. Now, once again, don't forget that I'm looking for sponsors. If you didn't hear it in the beginning, go back and watch the beginning or click the link and go to the page. I'm looking for sponsors uh, for this next project of building wealth. And every sponsor is going to be featured in the book, uh, being able to memorialize somebody they really care about. And everybody who sponsors over $25 will get a copy of the book when it's released at uh, at the end of the year right now. It may be quicker. Uh, I doubt if it'll be later. It may be quicker, but uh, I've just shared it. The link is also in the description box. I'm about to get off of here. Thank you guys so much for stopping in. Uh, I love spending time with you. You guys are great. Thank you.